In the summer of 2012, I had the honor and once-in-a-lifetime privilege to work with the USA National Women's Basketball Team. At the time, I was working with Coach Gino at UConn, and the video coordinator was the one position he was allowed to bring with him. So for an entire month, I got to travel around the world making pit stops in Washington, D.C., Turkey, Spain, and eventually London, where the Olympics were held that year. Traveling around the world, I was able to experience new cultures, new food, new people. I got to meet President Obama and his wife, Michelle. I got to spend some time with Olympians of the past and the present, people who I looked up to for years. But even with all these amazing adventures, there's one memory that still sticks out to me more than any other. It happened on the last day of the trip, the day after the gold medal game, which the USA won. After all the hugs and congratulations that we had the night before at, at uh, the, the final dinner, one of the players came up to me. She was one of the players from UConn, and she asked if I would be attending church service the next morning. At this point, Tracy was with me on the trip. Tracy's my wife, if you didn't know. <laughs> and we were planning on attending Hillsong. So when we said yes, without hesitating, she said, I'm going to rearrange my flight and go with you guys. The reason? She wanted her gold medal to be in a place where it was being honored by God and being in, in the presence of his people. After months of exhaustive training, transitioning from multiple teams in different countries, going from one season to the next, thousands of miles away from home, away from her family and friends, there's so many reasons she could have chosen to skip service that day. And I don't think anyone would have ever judged her for it. She just won a gold medal. But instead, she decided to prioritize attending worship service to the point that she rescheduled her flight home no matter what the cost was going to be to her. This young woman in her early 20s decision to attend worship that morning made such an impact on me. And it's a memory that from my Olympic adventure that still sticks out to me more than any other to this day. When Pastor Ryan got to St. Paul's several years ago, one of the first things we did was we sat down and we wrote out a vision for St. Paul's. It's an exercise that the church leadership did before he got here, and it's something that we've done many times since he's been here. But something that continues to rise to the top every time we talk about the vision for St. Paul's as the most important part of our community is worshiping the Lord in our weekend service, our weekend worship experience. It always finds its way to the top of that list. In a typical week, hours are spent on preparing a message, putting together a worship set song list, our worship team arrives at the mills to rehearse hours before everyone arrives while you're probably still in your pajamas and getting ready for service. Our children's teachers prepare lessons and activities for our youth program. Someone comes early to set up communion, set up coffee, set up the chairs in the room, and we put signs out front to help people who are new to our service to find where our building is. Our communication team prepares graphics and illustrations to help the sermon and to, to, to promote it. Our board, our prayer, and our leadership teams are constantly praying for Sunday service and for everyone that's in this room today. So why do we value community worship so much? Why do we, the St. Paul's community, put such an emphasis and our, put our time and our money and our energy and our resources into weekly worship gatherings? Well, for starters, because it was important to Jesus. There's no direct commandment in the New Testament that says, you know what, Christians, you need to attend a work formal Sabbath service in this church building. But in the Gospels, time and time again, we witness Jesus and his apostles attending Sabbath services, either at the temple in Jerusalem or 
at the synagogue if they were away from Jerusalem. Mark 1.21 says, They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. Mark 6.2, When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Luke 4.16, He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read. Luke 6.6, On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching. I can go on and on. These are just a few of the many examples we see throughout the gospel and the book of Acts where Jesus and his followers find their way to the local synagogue, whether they were at home or traveling. And what do we see as the common factor throughout these experiences? Jesus goes there to teach. And it's one of the reasons we value biblical preaching so much here at St. Paul's. Pastor Ryan preached about this a few weeks ago when he talked about our new vision slogan, truth, grace, and life. We live in a society that places such an extreme amount of value on our feelings, and that's what determines what's true, and it's creating so much division. We want to avoid that here. We want to stick to the facts. We want to stick to biblical teaching, and I truly thank Pastor Ryan. He does an amazing job each week of sticking to the text and preaching sound biblical messages. We are so fortunate to have a gifted preacher here at St. Paul's. But you may be sitting here this morning and saying to yourself, you know what? Pastor Ryan is pretty good, but I can get good biblical preaching anywhere. And you're right. With technology today, we can listen to sermons from all over the world. There's no shortage of places we can find good biblical preaching. And we can listen from anywhere. We can listen in our cars. We can listen while we're working out. We can listen, again, anywhere, when we're traveling, whatever we're doing. We know that there are dozens of people who listen to our sermons online. And I'm not necessarily saying that this is a bad thing. But there's something different when you're listening to God's word with your church family. When the church gathers, the Holy Spirit works in unique and powerful ways that are missing when we worship privately. Brian Croft, senior pastor of Auburndale Baptist Church in Louisville, says, When a congregation collectively sits under the preached word, a level of accountability is established and nourished among the hearers to urge each other to go and apply that sermon. A greater obligation to do something with the word and to rely on one another for help and strength to obey it, exists in this kind of community life that is not present when we listen in isolation or when we hop hop churches depending on who is preaching that week. And that's the same desire of Ryan and I. We want our church to hear a sermon on Sunday mornings, meditate on it, and then go and apply the teachings throughout the week. And if there are things that we don't understand or we might have different interpretations of a topic or, or disagree with it, then we want to be able to discuss that amongst ourselves. Some of our small groups follow this model. Each week, Pastor Ryan puts together questions for our groups to discuss the sermon topics in their living rooms where we can really unpack a message together. And before I move on to the next reason why it's important for us to worship together, I'd also like to just say that if you're physically unable to be here, listening online is such a wonderful resource. This allows you to stay in communion with your church family, learning what they are learning and growing as they grow. So why do we value meeting together each week? Because Jesus did. Number two, to encourage one another. This comes straight from our vision statement. We want to create an environment where people experience God speaking in powerful ways during the service, where they have opportunities to use their gifts for serving others, and where they can enjoy meaningful community with each other. 
One of the ways we could serve one another is through encouragement. Besides loving God with all of our heart, mind, and soul, Jesus says the second greatest commandment is to love one another as ourselves. Well, I can't think of a better way to love someone than to show them encouragement. If you have your Bibles today, would you please turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10? If you don't have one, we have some on the side tables. Feel free to pass them along. If you're new to the faith or uh, just kind of discovering this book for the first time, Hebrews is uh, th about three-quarters of the way through. If you got into the Peters first or second, then you've gone a little too far. Hebrews was a letter written to the Jews who were still trying to figure out who Jesus was. They were struggling with their new faith. They were having problems moving past the old covenant way of doing things that they've done for years. We're not quite sure who wrote the letter. Traditionally, it was believed to be Paul, but then in the third century, some other uh, things were questioned. So the true author is unknown, but let's take a look at the text, starting at verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Now before I move on, let's take a, a, a little bit of a deeper look at these verses. So the most holy place that is referred to in verse 19 is a room in a temple that was sealed from view by a curtain. Only the high priest could enter this holy room. And he can only do it once a year on the Day of Atonement, where he went and believers, uh, where he could go and sacrifice for the whole nation's sin. But Christ's death on the cross removed this curtain. And all believers may now walk into God's presence at any time. When Jesus died for us, he not only made a way for us into heaven, but he also made a way for us to walk into the presence of God boldly, free from guilty consciences and in full assurance. Some of you today might be sitting here thinking to yourself, you know what, I'm not worthy of being here. I don't deserve to be sitting in this worship service. Somewhere in the back of your mind, you might even be thinking to yourself, you know, you wouldn't be saying this if you knew what I did in the past. But if you don't get anything else out of this message today, please understand this. That's a lie. Because of the new covenant and the work of Jesus, you can enter into God's presence knowing your hearts and consciences can be completely cleared completely clean, not partially or temporarily, but fully cleansed so that you can enter into his presence and enter it boldly. Have you ever stepped outside when, when there, there was a fresh fall in snow, when the sun's beating down and you have to kind of like squint because it's so bright? That's exactly what Jesus said your heart is like, white as snow because of what he did and, and when you accept him and ask him for forgiveness. He cleans us as white as snow. So please, don't ever feel like you don't belong in this room. Don't ever feel like you don't belong in worship with us on Sunday mornings. Because if it wasn't for Jesus, none of us would be worthy of being in here today. So after establishing that Christ is sufficient for our salvation, the writer moves on to the practical implications. Moving on to verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, it's, it's pretty amazing to me that although this text was written 
about 70 years after the death of Christ, it's so relevant to us thousands of years later. Even in the years of the early church, we see that it was a struggle for them to continue to meet together, as it talks about how not meeting together has already become a habit for this newly formed group of Jewish Christians. And I get it. There are so many things vying for our attention today. Some of these things aren't necessarily bad things either. In fact, some could be really good, like feeding the homeless or helping your friend or a neighbor with a chore. And when these things come up, no one here is going to judge you for missing service. But I think the key word that we have to focus in on is habit. When circumstances and difficulties continue to get in our way of gathering together, we need to make a greater effort to overcome these distractions. Through the years, our family has had to say no to a lot of things that have come up on Sundays. Not too long ago, everything in our society used to be put on pause and shut down on Sunday mornings to allow families to celebrate and spend time together, to acknowledge and honor the Sabbath with one another. And I know I sound like, you know, your grandfather back in the day, but it's true. We as a culture seem to be drifting further away from this practice. More and more restaurants and stores are continuing to open on Sunday mornings. Community and sporting events were never used to be scheduled. But this seems to be a thing of the past. Tracy and I find ourselves having to turn people down from invitations often. We have to continue to tell our kids no to certain activities and sporting events because they interfere with Sunday service. And let me just say, if you're a person in position of leadership or you possibly own your uh, own business, let me just encourage you to try to avoid scheduling things during this precious time. Recently, I joined a little league board in our town. Every time somebody brings up scheduling an event on Sunday morning, I always try to bring up the fact that this is a really special time for people who worship. And more times than not, people really respect this, and, they, and we schedule around this time. I know from past experience, it becomes really easy to talk yourself out into the reasons you don't need to be at worship. You find yourself saying, you know what, no one's going to notice that I'm gone. You know, there's a guest speaker this week. I guarantee they're not going to be talking about something that I need. Last time I was there, I didn't get anything out of the music or the message. Not every Sunday service is going to be spectacular. And not every service is going to feel like you get something out of it. But I promise you, every time we meet together, there's something that's taking place. And when you're not here, you deny the Holy Spirit from using you and your unique gifts that you bring to this church. And in particular, the unique gift that you might bring to one person in this room. About a year ago, I was sitting with a young woman down in my office. She was telling me how when she first came to St. Paul's a few years ago, she wasn't, going, she wasn't sure yet of our community. She wasn't sure what to think about it. She had been a few times, but she really hadn't seen a difference in her life at the time. Each week she would come and go, not really talk to anyone, and she didn't feel like she belonged at St. Paul's. So finally, one Sunday, she walked into our, our old building, which is down the road, and she told herself and God, all right, this is it. This is my last Sunday here. Well, wouldn't you know, that Sunday, the Holy Spirit had completely different plans. Towards the end of the service, she was approached by one of our regular attenders, and that woman asked if she could pray for her. She sensed the Holy Spirit telling her that she needed prayer that morning. Thinking it was a bit awkward at first, she hesitantly said, okay. The woman prayed over her, and she spoke directly into her life. Well, wouldn't you know, not too long ago, she was baptized here at St. Paul's. 
and is now an active member. The one simple prayer changed her whole outlook on our community. And now each week she's able to encourage others with the unique gifts that she brings. But if the woman who prayed over her didn't listen to the Holy Spirit that day or decided not to come to worship service, who knows if she would still be with us today. My guess is that she didn't have any idea what songs were sung or what message was preached. No offense, Ryan. <laughs> but she'll never forget that moment when someone prayed over her. The same week that she was about to give up on going to worship. Pastor Ryan and I love when we get to hear these types of stories. We love when we get to read on your connection cards that you were so excited to be here and it just completely made your week. The first line in our vision statement reads, our hope is that the Sunday service would be the highlight of people's weeks. So often, you have no idea the encouragement and impact that you have on someone's life just by showing up. You have no idea the way a simple hello and a warm hug can mean to someone during our time of welcome when we're sharing the peace of Christ. It could really encourage someone and get them through their week. I understand for some of us, community can be super awkward. I say this being married to an introvert. With modern technology, we can go all day without verbally saying a word to, to someone. Stores are adding more and more self-checkouts. There's a bank on UConn's campus that's made up completely of ATMs. There's no more human attendance. Social media can give us this false security that, you know, we're constantly connecting with people, but somehow we could feel more alone than ever. Using our spiritual gifts can often take us out of our comfort zones. But when we could push past these uncomfortable moments, we never know the difference we're making in someone's life. 1 Corinthians 12 says that each one of us is given a unique gift. It's a gift that is used to encourage one another. It compares our community to a body. And just like when something isn't working properly in your body, you know right away when something isn't right. Each part of your body plays an important part in helping us to function. And the body of Christ is the exact same way. It's the same way here at church. Some of us are given the gift of teaching, some of prophecy, some the gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, the list goes on and on. And when you aren't here, someone isn't able to receive that unique gift that you're bringing to our community. If we can learn to, to come to our worship gatherings hungry for God's supernatural encouragement, he's going to meet us right where we are. So why does worship matter? so we can give and receive encouragement from one another. Number three, I know we're uh, about halfway done, and that, that was the longer part. I know some of you uh, could see the, the, the Patriots jerseys. There's a game going on tonight. But uh, the, the next points are going to move a little bit quicker. I'm going to enjoy these last few hours that, that the Eagles are the champions. <laughs> so the, third, the cer third reason we are better together, it's because our kids need you. Now, this is a reason that gets super personal for me. If you've ever heard me speak before here at St. Paul's or you've been around my wife, Tracy, and I long enough, you know that this church has what this church has meant to us and our marriage through the years. But it's also meant so much to our children. Two weeks ago, when we had to cancel service because of the weather, our daughter, Claire, was almost in tears. When I asked her, what's wrong? She said, I don't want to miss church today. There are so many moments that where my kids make me proud, but I don't think there's anything better than when your kids are upset because they won't be at service on a Sunday. <laughs> we don't live near our extended families. 
we're from the, the Philadelphia area. <laughs> so this community has become our extended family. And when we can't be here, it's like we're missing out on something. And when we, and author and speaker Rhonda Stope says, if you want to teach your kids to love God, they need to see that you love God. And if you want them to learn to love God's people, they have to observe you loving God's people. Luke 6.40 says, the student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Notice, Jesus didn't say that the student will become as the teacher teaches him to be. Rather, he will be like his teacher. I could tell my kids about God until I'm blue in the face, but the way they are going to learn more about our faith is from watching us live out our faith. You might think I'm just talking to the parents in the room right now, but I'm not. I'm talking to everyone here. Our kids are very observant, and they're smart. Not just my kids, but all of the kids. <laughs> they're watching everything we do, and they're learning what it means to be a member of this body from each one of us in this room. And as a father of two, of two soon to be three, of the kids in this community, I want to say thank you. There are so many of you in this church who care and love our kids. There are several college students and non-parents who volunteer to keep, teach our kids on, on Sundays, who help out with our Winter Wonderland and our Vacation Bible Camps. And one of the greatest examples for them is when they see the youth, the middle schoolers and the high school, continue to help after they've graduated from these programs. A mom told me about a story a few months ago. One of her child's teachers was here, and the teacher asked her student, why do you act so differently at church? You seem so calm. You seem a little bit more relaxed. And you know what the, the youth said? Because people here get me. When our kids are here around their church family, they can be themselves. They don't have to hide who they truly are. They don't have to, 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 to pretend to be someone they're not. As a pastor, this story means so much to me. But as a father, it's priceless. And although this story is about one of our kids, I have to imagine it's the same way for a lot of adults in this community as well. This is a place where we could be real. It's a place where we can let down our guards a little bit and be vulnerable with one another and be accepted for who we are in Christ. There are so many other reasons why worshiping together is important to us and to God. But before we leave today, I just want to touch on one more. Worshiping together is better because there's power in numbers. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with church, small church communities. In fact, just a few, week, a few weeks ago, we changed our vision slogan from more people, more like Jesus. And one of the reasons we did that was because we didn't want to put up pressure on ourselves to continue to grow in numbers. But there's something special when you walk into this place and see a full chapel. When UConn isn't around, we notice when the students are missing. When there's a, a retreat going on or a hiking trip plan, we notice when there's a group of the people gone. And you pay particular attention when you invite someone new to service and they show up and you have to say, there's usually more people than this. <laughs> it's similar to when you have new guests here like today and you have to say, don't worry, he's not the normal preacher. <laughs> Our worship leader, Steve, mentioned it last week at our membership meeting when he said, lately, there's something different going on in worship. He doesn't feel the pressure to have to carry a song by himself because he's hearing more and more voices singing along with him. When our sanctuary is full, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what it is, but something powerful is happening. 
You've heard me mention several times this morning that this community is a church family. And just like when there's a new baby born into a family, that's exactly how we feel when there's someone new and when they're visiting with us. Our Sunday morning worship is like the front entryway into our homes. It's the reason we try to worship on Sunday mornings with excellence at St. Paul's. It's the reason we try to do things to the best of our ability. We want people to know how important this is to us. And obviously, we're human. We're going to mess things up. But our hope is that people see that we want you to feel welcomed here and that this is a community who loves God deeply and loves each other. I'm going to read one more passage of scripture. Now, whether you've been a Christian for a long time and you've heard this passage dozens of times, if not hundreds, or today's your first day in church and you're, and you're kind of new to this faith thing, please pay attention to how many times you hear the words they and together in this passage. Luke is writing to the first group of people, the first church. It's titled The Fellowship of the Believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled together, was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. That's from Acts 2. Now, more than ever, it's so easy to become isolated in our, in our society. It's so easy to feel alone, even though there's so many more ways to connect with one another than ever before. It's so easy to not let worshiping together become a habit. But God never intended for us to live this life alone. Let's fight hard to continue to meet together often, continue to worship our Lord together, and continue to love and encourage one another the way Christ loved us. Please join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just give you so much thanks for today. Lord, we thank you so much for this body of believers, for this family. Lord, thank you for letting us be able to meet here today, for providing for this space, for providing for all the resources that you do. Lord, we ask as your people, don't let it become a habit that we stop worshiping together. Lord, help us to continue to meet. Help us to encourage one another. Look for new ways to encourage someone in our space. Lord, we just give you thanks for today. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.